Hey! We're professional because we edit it. That's right, that's right. Well, oh. so let's do an introduction as if people are watching for the first moment right now. Sounds good. Welcome, everybody, to our first live broadcast ever from our Facebook page. This is Season 3, Episode 1 of Cinema Gush. And uh, the big question on everybody's mind is, do we deserve the Batman I'm Nick, and that's Brendan. Hey, guys. Uh, so that's the big question, huh? So we got to feel it to you right out of the gate. Do we deserve the Batman? Yeah, I think we do. I think we do deserve the Batman. Uh, is that a good... Does that mean the Batman's good or bad? I was just thinking about that right now. As I said, yeah, we deserve it. Also, because, like, uh, you know, I remember for Dune, we said, no, we don't deserve Dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a weird way, we kind of deserve the Batman, but I mean that in a very positive, I freaking love this movie. Okay. Movie. I was Because <laughs> I have no idea how you feel about it. You know how I feel about it, but I had no idea how you feel about it. Yeah, I uh, I saw this on the biggest screen in Colorado, which is Icon Cinemas in Colorado Springs. Um, they had the automatic Lazy Boy chairs, which were oh. super comfortable, and I got the second biggest tub of popcorn I possibly could for five dollars more. I could have gotten a metal bucket of the Batman. And now, <laughs> as I'm saying this out loud, I'm kind of regretting I didn't get the bucket. But mm. um, I had to really quick gush about the experience because we were a little bit late. Um, just because some stuff was happening with work. Our dog sure, is kind of sure, sick right now. Yeah. Um, and it was the farthest theater from the ticket ripoff station. So my so wife and I ran like giddy little kids laughing the whole way till we got to the theater. Did you make and it in time? We made it just to see the Jurassic Park logo fade away. So oh, okay. I'm so presuming I must have missed that trailer, which is perfect because I don't want to watch that trailer. So, here's, so my viewing experience... We uh, got the pre-show, the special DC Presents show, which was the day before. That was on Wednesday. Oh. And my buddy, who I'm seeing with, John Riley, who did Gremlins season one. Which, uh, of course. He assumed we were going to the movie on Thursday. And given oh, that dear. it was a special pre-show and there were no trailers, so he missed the first ten minutes of the actual movie. So I'm glad you oh. just missed the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World trailer. Buddy, no, that's rough. Yeah. So, um. you saw this win. I Thursday? saw this yesterday at three o'clock. Yep, so I did Thursday too. the. I, I saw it yesterday at three o'clock too, because I saw this twice. Damn! I did. Already. I, I did. I took off of work at three o'clock and went and saw it a second time. Dude, that's six hours and forty-eight hours dedicated. And to I Batman. enjoyed every damn minute of it. Awesome! And man. I'm going to see it again. Uh, yeah. I have been recommending everybody to go see it, and of course we will keep this. Uh, we will keep this spoiler free. The movie okay. is just now hitting some places, but we well, will what, talk around the subject. I want to talk spoilers at some point, but you're right. We should. We will. We'll do follow up in like a week um, or okay. two. All right. All right. Okay. We'll figure that out. Give me um, your first thoughts. Lay them on me. This is a back to basics Batman. This is what we've been needing for a long time. We needed a basic Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, Batman will always have extreme elements of you know, costume freaks going after him and the Joker and all that things. But what we needed was a back-to-basics Batman, which is a, a detective story told well. And I would even... Um, there were moments... I would even compare this movie in moments to things like Seven. It's um, very... Along I mean, came a spider. Sleeve. I mean, it's very um, clear he's going for that. Yeah, so, so absolutely. So I, I will disagree with you only in the matter that you say is back-to-basics. I think this is the first time we've ever had Batman basics. This is the first mm. time anybody's ever made Batman at his most basic, and I am so unbelievably thrilled. I never hoped to see a Batman movie that captured this element of the comics. I never yeah. thought it would happen. 
Right, right. That was my thought too. Um, especially the detective work. And I think that, you know, there's kind of always going to be that moment of, well, you know, uh, he's the greatest detective of all time and he solves riddles like that. Like even the Val Kilmer oh. uh, Batman can solve riddles like at the drop of a hat. But still, there was that tension as the mystery of the movie was being solved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying like Riddler is a big part of this. It's been in we all the trailers We can talk about teasers. any characters that are in the trailers. I think that's a Yeah, point. that's very fair. Um yeah, I, it, I think uh, when we finished the film, my wife said she wasn't expecting it to be so dark and gritty, and I had to remind her that the, the, the Dark Knight was also very gritty. She's like, but this was different, like a different kind and, of dark. And so so dark and gritty, to me, has such a bad connotation. To me, that's like, when you, somebody says something's dark and gritty, they usually mean that it's trying to be edgy and cool. I don't think this movie had to try. This movie was telling the story with the atmosphere and mood that it needed. And it did... Man... This is the Gotham City I've always wanted to see. Yeah. This is this is Gotham City. It's 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 like they took the Batman animated series the, the from the 90s and, mm, and Yes, I kept thinking about it. Yes, the city. And and th- okay, this is so this is something that first shot of Gotham in the rain in that that Times Square analog. And then later on, you see Bruce on a motorcycle. This is within the first, like, four minutes of the movie. He drives around a corner of a street that has this big, long U. And I love that they... This is not Chicago. This is not New York. This is not Pittsburgh. This is its own city. It has its own geography. It has its own climate and atmosphere. And it it just... The movie oozes atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially what you said about the Batman 90s aesthetic, I got those notes like all over the place. Like at one point, I almost thought the music would swell into that original theme song that we heard sure. in the 90s. Um, but We're talking about music too, man. Oh my gosh, yeah. The one thing I have been like cheating on is listening to all that music from that soundtrack. Um, <sighs> but yeah, just like the dark aesthetic of it, the way it was shot... Um, moments where you almost had to squint to kind of see what was going on. Like it, more of that back to basics kind of thing. Right. And squint so oftentimes because the rain is coming down so heavy. Yes. Oh, man. I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has a Batman year one, the graphic novel year one feel to it. But So mm-hmm. the thing is, did you stay through the credits? We did not. We had to get back to our okay. sick dog. There's no scene at the end. There's, there's like it says goodbye. But at the very end, before the the uh, the studio logos and the the music credits roll, it gave uh, thank you to all the comic book artists and authors. Wow! And if you go through and read all those comic writers and artists, and you're like, well, obviously, this movie. This, look, Christopher Nolan's movies are a paragon of film perfection, especially oh, yeah. The Dark Knight. But. I kind of feel like this movie, and we said this, I guess nobody's heard the episode, but I made the argument while talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that that was the first legitimate comic book movie. I feel like this is the first, this does for what Spider-Man did Into the Spider-Verse does for Spider-Man, this does for Batman. This is a Batman comic book movie. It is a graphic novel lovingly put on screen. Mm-hmm. That's well said. Yeah, there was there were so many moments where I was getting Frank Miller, like you were saying, with um, mm-hmm. the comic. Just it could have been done by him. It had like again the Sin City vibe, and I mean, lots and lots of Sin City vibes. I'm thinking about it, but again, like 
the way that you had this Batman, you had him younger, you had, you know, the the basic things of the, I would say, the motorcycle and a Batcave that desperately seemed wanting compared to all the other movies that have come out. Um, uh-huh. Wayne Manor is unbelievably gothic. It looks like... It, so somebody... It, it looks like Dracula could live there, but somebody made the yeah. argument that this is the first time Robert Pattinson has played a vampire. And I oh, agree. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. You had him when he was a teenager, but now Pattinson's for the boys, okay? All right, we got him now. It's our turn. It's, yeah. What did that you think being, of his performance? That being said, there were moments where... Certain things he would do, I was like, oh, that's Edward from Twilight. Get out of here. Because <laughs> I've seen it so many times because my I'm wife not, has seen I've it so many seen times. It movies, I know. But it's I know, still and... the same actor. So I don't know. Okay. He, the only time, I did think that while he's talking to Alfred in one scene and he didn't open his eyes all the way. That was the yeah. only time I had that thought. But he, I, I can't remember him smiling. He barely speaks above a whisper the entire movie. And any other actor I'd say this is really dumb and I love his performance to my core yeah I, I mean there's a broken man there are sequences where there's one where he let's just say they're in a church which is in the trailer and uh you see him like in his suit and his and his hair is just pitch black like he looks like the gothic kid you probably see in college because he's not wearing the band shirt he's wearing the trench coat mm-hmm. um and everyone knows who he is of course because it's Bruce Wayne and you really get the just from the look of him you just get this tortured mentality like crazy like they drove that home so well and i think in a lesser director's hands it would have come off as very emo and i did not get that feeling in this movie at all to me it felt like he was hurt he as a character he seemed like he was uh he he earned his his moodiness i i felt it felt honest to the character yeah i would agree um not only did that feel honest to that character, but not to jump off of him, but like Colin Farrell, oh man, hundred thousand percent disappeared into the Penguin, completely. Like, oh, I, I, I thought I had because I again I'm trying to avoid trailers and teasers and looking it up on IMDb. I, I had heard it was Colin Farrell. When you watch this movie, you don't know it. You, you, you don't like he's doing he's doing a De Niro and a, and a mafia and, and all these different things and like you don't know it's him and it's a that mistake to away. think it's just because of the prosthetics the prosthetics are incredible I mean he's a different actor yes. in his prosthetics but his performance melts into the role and there's not an ounce of Colin Farrell left in that role it yeah. is 100% Oswald Cobblepot yeah I have a co-worker that said that um, he was hesitant to see this movie because Paul Dano only really ever plays Paul Dano. But in this movie, he was the most Paul Dano he ever Paul Dano'd in his life, okay? Like, if you've seen anything with him, Little Miss Sunshine, or um, I'm blanking on literally every movie that he's in, but he's in many. Yeah, he tends to play what many would presume is himself, and that's not inaccurate, but this movie was like... But I love Paul Dano playing Paul Dano. Right, right, I agree. His, his... He's multiple times in the movie. He screams and howls sometimes out of ecstasy, anger, fear, joy, and every time it sent goosebumps down my spine. Yep, it was his. It was his own thing. I didn't see this as a jo- as a Joker copycat or a ripoff or Heath Ledger duplication or anything like that. This was just excellence. And again, what when you all see it, you'll get the why I keep saying it's back to basics because Riddler was also very basic in a very different kind of way. It was, again, that oozing seven vibe, the the lonely serial killer thing. Like, mm. man, oh man. 
Seven um, Zodiac a lot is I think he's yes. straight up a Zodiac analog. Um, yeah. With the ciphers and everything. Um, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon was also Great. quite quite good. An inspired casting choice. Yep, much like Andy Serkis as Alfred was another inspired acting choice. One of the only things I would say that I, and this isn't really a criticism of the movie as much as I wanted more Andy Serkis because he was so good as Alfred. He mm-hmm. was a different Alfred. He was not any any Alfred you've seen before, and he was beautiful in the role. Rarely does Alfred play such, like, I don't want to say a pivotal character because he always has purpose, but, like, here's an Alfred that's actually, like, doing things actively in front of the camera and, like, helping th- helping solve things. Like, that was amazing. And he brought a different sensibility to the role that both was true to the character and uniquely his own. Yeah. And then, of course, Zoe Kravitz, who I really just know from the Divergent series, which, again, we watch a lot in this house, uh, was uh, amazing as I, Selena I, Kyle. I, I told you this in an earlier podcast. I was not sold on her. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, man, I'm sold on her. She... <laughs> knock that role out of the park there wasn't an actor who didn't I mean every single actor um oh my mind's blanking who played Falcone um oh uh Mr. Oh Brother Where Art Thou yeah great uh, actor John Turturro that's right I never saw that performance coming from him. he's great in a lot of movies but this is a different performance than I've seen him do before and it's it's <laughs> slow and methodical and in the okay my favorite movies, my favorite movies, the ones that seep into your soul and just sit there are movies that aren't afraid to be quiet and slow. And you know, this movie's not afraid to be quiet and slow. And I, I adored it. I, yeah, I think that's great. I had to laugh when I saw him on screen because I was like, we thought you was a horny toad. <laughs> Do not seek the treasure. <laughs> um, oh. Music. Um, okay, like, I'm a big Nirvana guy, and man, oh man. Great song choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just ke- I keep hearing that song. I was singing it while doing the dishes today, which is ridiculous, because it's not a song you necessarily want to sing. Um, but the fact that, you know, Batman now listens to Nirvana is canon is amazing, and I will happily take that. Michael Giacchino. When you sent me the Batman theme, I was like, is this cheating? Is is listening to this ahead of the movie cheating? Because I, I don't, and not that that is a thing. Maybe in my mind it is, but I was like, let's just listen to it. And of course, of course, it was excellent. The, the Okay, so the thing is, because uh, I, I watched it twice and I paid a specific, like I, 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 well, again, people haven't heard the episodes we recorded, but the first viewing you want to get lost in the movie, the second viewing you can start picking at the, the craft. So I paid a lot of attention to the music in my second viewing. And there is not a lot of original music. It's a handful of themes that, that carry you through this movie. And those themes are so damn good and used so effectively to build atmosphere and mood. And it's never distracting from the film. It just seeps into you. The Batman theme is amazing. With these moments of hopeful notes and all this brooding and his Catwoman theme has got these noir tones to it that... Uh, Michael Giacchino is my favorite composer. I might mm, even more than the master himself sometimes. I, he's Sometimes, guy. sure, sure. I, I, see, I, I gotta say that just so people don't stone me, but... <laughs> you mean you don't worship John Williams as your own personal composer and savior? <laughs> Here, here's the thing. John Williams... It, without John Williams, there is Michael, no Michael Giacchino. Yeah. But I can always tell when I'm listening to John Williams... Even though the music's always vastly different, you can he has something to him. This guy 
makes wildly different soundtracks that are all equally brilliant. The, the notion that this is the same guy that, that made the soundtrack for Ratatouille mm-hmm. and the Star Trek trilogy, the recent one, and uh, Rogue One, I mean, it's, he's great. Yeah, and, and I have heard stories about him saving Rogue One, effectively having to do all the music in six weeks. I don't know how true that is or not. Really? Um, yeah, I, I will get confirmation on that story for the next episode. Wow. Um, there is a character I do want to talk about. Please. Who is very minor and is in the teaser for like 10 seconds, and it's Peter Sarsgaard as Gil. You we okay, won't go into okay, it. Okay, who is that? Because la- my wife was talking about the Sarsgaard, and I'm like, which one is the Sarsgaard? There's, there's like 85 Sarsgaard, so I... It's- <laughs> there are. I mean, he was an Orphan, Magnificent Seven, uh, Green Lantern. I think he was... Did he play offside of Ruffalo in Green Lantern? Uh, I know him from oh, Garden. Oh, oh, Garden State. I That's didn't realize right. that he was a Sars guard. I, I loved his performance. Yeah, his uh, his his moments are brief. He probably has less than twelve minutes of screen time. But honestly, one of my favorite performances in the whole film was his. I agree. No, I totally yeah. agree. Um, There's a such I, a sadness to his performance. And I think that was the un, the uneasiest I felt, maybe in a movie in a long time, probably not since The Thing, was the uneasiness that I felt in his scene, just like, oh boy, we won't go into it, we'll do it in our spoiler episode, but jeez Louise, excellent, just, and then Matt Reeves directing, a lot of people know him from uh, early J.J. Abrams stuff like Felicity, I think he did some Alias, but then Cloverfield was his kind of big directorial introduction. Which, is that the first uh, movie me and you went to together? Was it the... We got, like, the early screening pass. Yes. Yes, I think so. Yeah. That was a blast. Those two... The two Planet of the Apes movies he directed are brilliant. Yeah. They're so The man's quite good. He's quite good. The man is quite, quite good. And this is very much a movie of his. And you, you sent me that article earlier, which we'll put in the show notes, about, you know, he... You know you have a great director. Like you, you, you know you have a good director for a number of reasons. But you know you have a great director when he's not afraid to go to the studio head and say, "Hey, I don't think I'm the guy for this job." Which is what we talked about that in the Spider-Man one, which doesn't premiere yet, but we'll get to it next week, next oh. Friday. Our next episode comes out um, when we do all the Spider-Man movies except for one. And um, we talk about Sam Raimi walking away from doing Spider-Man 4 because he just, like, he admits that he couldn't crack it, so he walks away from it. Mm-hmm. Matt Reeves in that piece you sent me from Variety was like, I don't think I'm the guy for the for your movie. You know, Because I'm going to make a very specific movie, and you're probably not going to want me to make that movie. Yep. Yep. Oh, Thank and, God they let him make that movie. Gosh. Gotta keep, gotta keep the spoilers. It's so hard not to talk about. Let's. Yeah. Look, I, I want to say I'm very excited for what comes next. I think, mm-hmm. and I want to talk. I want to talk character arcs. I want to talk themes. We're not gonna. I will I say, one or two moments, one or two parts, themes. Let me say, didn't land with me the first time. On the second viewing, they landed like gangbusters. Okay. So I, I, I would love to talk more about that, but there is kind of this, yeah, and. I'll leave this at this, which is there's this duality of a message that was attempting to be pushed, which undoes a lot of the good that Batman does do. But I sat there, like, it really made me ponder a lot of things that I had thought about the character before. That, that's what I'm getting at, actually. Yep. 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 It, uh, it, it may not have worked as well the first viewing, and I don't think it's a fault of it. It surprised me. And the second viewing, it excited me. 
Yeah. Speaking of the viewing, three hours long. Yeah. Your hot take on that? It it earned it. I mean, I don't mind long movies if you're gonna if you can fill the screen time with you, if you're not wasting my time, take three hours. You know, it, interestingly enough, the three hour view time and the way the movie is structured felt like a book. It not that, just yeah. a comic book, but like a true book. Like the a way novel. The acts, yep, the way the acts built. There were chapters. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, I thought they did that uh, in an exceedingly well manner. And if they did. I don't know if they're still doing this as much, but if they ever do like the movie adaptation book of this, it would be like Brandon Sanderson thick. Sure. Like there is so much to it. Well, so um, in the in, when they thank the 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 comic book creators, they one of the two of them that they thanked was Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, who did the New Fifty Two run. And so I'm rereading the the mm. Court of Owls run that they did, and it and I was reading it moments before leaving for the theater and it has these cadences and these breaks where you have like almost the 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 last page of a comic has the cliffhanger and then you get the denouement of that cliffhanger in the first pages of the next comic and i felt that beat that rhythm through this. yeah yeah oh absolutely man um yeah, this this felt more real worldy than almost any of the other ones like that kind of the feeling you get watching the dark knight like I got a lot of that in the, in the sense of like the fantasticalness, like what can truly exist in this world, um, just the reality of it all and the weight of the reality of it all. Just uh, there is so much to talk about and think about with this film, but we don't want to get into spoiler territory, no. which and we won't. Um, one of the person I wanted to shout out was the cinematographer. The I was going to bring this up too because you've mentioned oh. his last movie before this already. Was doing great. Right. Is it Greg Fraser or Greg Fraser? Uh, I got it right here. I well, I had it right here, and I scrolled past it to look up Sarsgaard. I mean, I'm looking at his credits, and I gotta say, man, yeah. like Zero Dark Thirty would not have been as good as it was without this guy's eye. Amen. Holy smokes. Um, Foxcatcher, yep, that was a good one. The documentary style, you know, this one felt a little bit more rigid, but that's but in a good way. Um, more Fincher-esque. You can see the um, the inspiration of, like, The Crow. Even the first Batman movie, and in a way, Batman Forever, like, you feel a lot of that influence. Um, yeah. So this movie, I'm just scrolling through all the, the departments. This movie's going to win the Oscar for Best Makeup. There's just no way around it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a... I mean, can we have an Oscar for Best Supporting Supporting Actor and give it to Gil, for goodness sake? <sighs> I still want an Oscar for Best Scene, because I think this movie has several contenders. And Best Stunts, we desperately... Yeah. It's, oh, oh action! You, you have, we talked briefly about the action. Mention that, because I... It's... Uh, I, the last time I said holy shit in a movie was when the semi-truck flipped in The Dark Knight. And I said it out loud in this movie in the chase sequence. Yes, that. Oh. So that and, chase well, sequence yeah. is wonderfully edited, but yeah, the action is it's sparing. It's mm -hmm. not. Is it, I wouldn't call this an action movie. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, even the fight sequences are brief with longer takes so you actually see the hits and feel the hits yeah and that's that's just it is he keeps the action on screen he lets the actors must have done a lot of lot of rehearsals and practice because you get to see it and it's really good looking action there was there was one uh, i won't spoil anything there's just there's this fight sequence that happens 
where when like right after one cut happens, I was like, "Did the stuntman break his neck? You've got to be kidding me!" <sighs> there are some Pattinson gave some blows that uh, he really did, really to hammer hammer home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, um, go, go see it, everybody. We we yes. enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, Brennan will have a thrice screening. Um, I need to clear my schedule to have a second screening in theaters because I feel like my TV at home won't justify this, and they, we are re-airing movies in the way we used to. Movie, go see yep. it in the cinema. Same thing we said about Dune. You, this is one you have to see in the theaters. Um, biggest screen you can find. Yep. Yeah, Which, I, I mean, biggest in the state. I found it. <laughs> I saw the biggest in the city twice because that was there the time it worked out. Yeah, mm. it's great. Now it's just. We should stop before we give anything away. We should turn yeah, it off. Yeah, we're and too close. We need to talk quietly afterwards. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, shoot, we can leave it at that. Um, I don't know if anybody tuned in because we had all these incredibly strange technical issues before this episode even started, um, and so th- we're just gonna leave this one up. Uh, we'll throw it on Podbean as we often tend to do. Um, yep. It'll be a raw, unedited, so deal with all the errors you heard. I don't Do you have any uh, weekend plans, Brendan? Uh, no. No, I'm, we're, we're finally watching Arcane, and I'm really enjoying that. And, oh, and I, I, I got my uh, my screen fixed in my 3D printer, so I'm, I'm going to be making me the... I'm working on the Blade Runner blaster. Excellent, man. Yeah. Very good. And, and all the, the Deckard's blaster sliced up and ready to go. Fantastic, dude. Ah. How about you? Um... Well, uh, heading to Ohio first thing Sunday morning for right. a funeral, but tomorrow um, we need to make sure the dog is healthy, so I have some writing to do, some rewriting to do. Um, I'm on my very last pass of my first novel, and then I think it's going to go to editor, so going to work on that. And if I am fortunate, I might play a video game for a minute, but uh, we'll see. We are rewatching the show Poldark, nice. which is amazingly well written stuff. Good stuff. Um, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So tonight, nice. though, it's a bath and a whiskey. That's what it's going to be. Good for you. Good yeah. For you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for uh, just even liking the page. I know that like at least five people have liked the page in the last four minutes, and that's greatly appreciated. Oh, I see that. Um, so, yeah. Everyone have yourself an excellent evening, and we will see you next Friday for our Spider-Man Spectacular. Love y'all. Later. Later.